You know, as I began to prepare for today's message, uh, rereading the story, which is the second telling of a creation story. Last week, we looked at the very first creation story, the orderly creation story, where each day brought something new, a constant unfolding of God's intention for all things. This second creation story is the oldest creation story, maybe even one of the oldest stories in the Bible. And it is the story of how dirt became us, essentially. The interesting thing is we like to think of the first human being's name as is Adam. Uh, and that's perfectly fine, but you need to understand that Adam, the word in Hebrew, means dirt. Uh, it's the male form of dirt. Uh, Adma means earth, and Adam means dirt. Uh, and so from the dirt, we are made. Now, as I think about this story, this story itself, the story of the garden, the story of the two trees that are, there's a lot of trees in the garden, but there are two key trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we are meant to eat from the tree of life, not from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. However, as the story goes, something other than that uh, happened. And as, uh, as chance would have it, this has been the key foundational piece of the entire teaching of the Christian church in the West since uh, the third century, the fourth century, uh, all about this uh, decision to go against what God wanted and what it meant to eat uh, from that tree and how that stained humanity in such a way that we are virtually irredeemable. If you are to believe Martin Luther, the earliest reformer, we are merely dung covered over by the snow of Christ, uh, which is, uh, I don't personally believe Martin Luther. I think he was wrong in that as he was wrong in some other things, like he wanted to throw away the epistle of James in the New Testament. How could you throw away James? I really like James. That's a side issue. So as we look at this second story, I want you to hear it with different ears. Don't think about it necessarily as the origin of our eternal rupture with our relationship with God as much uh, as a story that tells us a little bit about our origin. And listen for what might be, what I hope to talk about as another or um, uh, another way of seeing the story. It doesn't have to be the only way. If you prefer the way that this is the way sin entered humanity and continues to drive uh, that wedge between us and God, then I encourage you to be right there. That's a place you can be. But I want to offer us a, perhaps another way of seeing this story. Um, that offers some other possibilities. Now, I'm not going to read you the entire second creation story because if the first creation story was long, the second creation story is much longer. Uh, and so I'm going to read a, pieces of it to you, parts of it that you will probably recommend, uh, re recognize. Maybe you won't recommend them, but you'll recognize them. 
uh, beginning in the, near the beginning of the second chapter of Genesis, which means in the beginning. At the time when Adonai made the heavens and the earth, there was still no wild bush on the earth, nor had any wild plant sprung up. For Adonai had not yet sent rain to the earth, and there was no human being to till the soil. Instead, a flow of water would well up from the ground and irrigate the soil. So Adonai fashioned an earth creature, and by earth creature, a dirt creature is the literal translation. Uh, Adonai fashioned a dirt creature out of the clay of the earth and blew into its nostrils the breath of life. And the earth creature became a living being. Adonai planted a garden to the east in Eden, which means land of pleasure, and placed in the earth creature uh, that had been made. It goes on to tell us there's a river that flows through there. Then Adonai took the earth creature and settled in the Garden of Eden so that it might cultivate and care for the land. Then Adonai commanded the earth creature, you may eat as much as you like from any of the trees of the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You must not eat from that tree. For on that day you eat from the tree, you will surely die, yes, die. Um, it goes on to talk about creating, uh, after making dirt man, then we made dirt woman. Uh, uh, and then it goes on, now the woman and the man were both naked, though they were not ashamed. But the snake was even more naked the most cunning of all the animals that Adonai had made. The snake asked the woman, did God really tell you not to eat from the tree in the garden? The woman answered the snake, we may eat fruit from all the trees in the garden, but of the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, don't eat it, don't touch it, or you'll die. The snake said to the woman, die, you won't die. God knows well that on that day you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman knew that the tree was enticing to the eye and saw that the fruit was good to eat, that it was de uh, desirable for the knowledge it could give. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She gave some also to the man beside her and he ate it. Their eyes were opened and they saw that they were both naked and vulnerable. So they sewed fig leaves and covered up. When they heard the sound of Adonai walking in the garden in the cool of the evening, the man and the woman had for, uh, hid from Yahweh's presence, Adonai's presence, among the trees of the garden. Where are you? Adonai called. I heard you walking in the garden, replied the man. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. Who told you of this nakedness? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I forbade you to eat? And the man replied, it was the woman you put beside me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. All right, we can go on from there. You know the story. People have been blaming each other from the beginning and the man is no different, uh, blaming someone. So what do we do with this story? Do we uh, 
do we see in it uh, the greater story of how broken humanity is? Uh, perhaps, perhaps a piece of it certainly is that, that our humanity is in some way broken. Look at the way we're divided as a country in multiple directions and as a world. The fact that we draw imaginary lines in rivers and soil and say this is one country and this is another, that's all imagination. It's all part of our imagination and our investment in being opposed one to another, our sort of dualistic approach to life. Originally, there was life, the tree of life, and that tree was unified. But that wasn't enough for us. We wanted to be like God. It wasn't enough to bear the likeness of God, the image of God. Human beings wanted to be like God, and we thought knowledge would do that. But I'm here to tell you today, knowledge is not all that. That's the title of today's sermon, in fact. Knowledge is not all that. Because what we wanted was knowledge about up to this point, we understand that the story tells us that original dirt people, uh, dirt man and dirt woman, Adam and Eve, uh, walked in the cool of the garden with God every evening. God was there all the time. But it wasn't enough to know God. They wanted to know everything that God knew, as if that would be enough. And in gaining the knowledge, what they discovered was there was a, a good, a bad, uh, a left, a right, uh, an in, an out, a broken, an unbroken. All of those pieces came together because now they knew. They knew that they were vulnerable and naked before God, that anything could happen. They knew that they were separate from each other, and they thought that this whole thing separated them completely from God, that they could ever be out of relationship of the very one who gave them life. It's like what Richard, Richard said, what Linda read to us this morning. God can choose to create and not to create. It's completely up to God. So the fact that you're here today means God chose to make you. God chose to make you. And in making you, poured out a piece of the eternal self onto you. You are already loved. You are already precious. You are already shaped in the goodness of God. You could never be separate from God. You aren't God, but you aren't separate from God either. God is a part of all that you are. Now, we spend a lifetime imagining that we're separate. The very first thing that happens to us in the first three years of our lives is that we have to learn as infants that we're not our moms, we're not our dads, we're not the caregiver, that we're something other than them. And then we continue to spend our entire lives identifying ourselves by what makes us different from someone else. I am me because I'm not Marge. I am me because I'm not Mark or Joy. Uh, I'm me because I'm not any of you. Is that what makes me me? Is that I'm not you? Well, in a world that identifies things by differentiating, yes. I'm me because I'm a man, not a woman. I am me because my parents are Bill and Carol. 
I am me because I'm married to Linda. But those are separate pieces. And I'm me because God reconciled with me. Or am I me because God made me me? And that James just happens to be an identifier that's hung on me. I could not ever be, nor could any of you, be separate from God's intention for me. But reality is often in the way we perceive it. We do not perceive the world as it really is. We perceive it as we are. And if we've learned to perceive the world through hate's eyes, it is very easy for us to determine who is other than us. Other than me because of skin color. Other than me because of nationality. Other than me because of religion or gender identification. Any of those kinds of things are other than me. And therefore, I can hate that thing which is other. Be shaped by a hate of that other thing, which is not God's intention at all. That's why we were supposed to stay away from the stinking tree. That's what the story is about. Imagining you could be separate from the rest of humanity. In today's world, you can see that. All you have to be is in the same room with somebody for like 15 minutes, or even less than that, you can catch COVID. We are connected. So if we don't all take precautions, then all of us bear the consequences of it. When the economy fails in one place, it fails in all places. When we don't make sure that all people in the world get a vaccine, or at least access to it, we are setting our own selves up for failure. The truth is, everything is connected. Nothing is separate. That tree was an invitation for us to see ourselves as different than, as other than. And we took the invitation. Now, a cunning snake told us to do it. Isn't there always somebody you can blame? The cunning snake. And then the man could blame not only the cunning snake, but his cunning wife. Girlfriend, whatever she was in the first, uh, there was no marriage at that point, at least as we understand it. There wasn't some third dude that showed up, our dudette, who uh, pronounced some vows. All sorts of things rise out of that story that we see are real for humanity. When I make a mistake, I'm quick to blame somebody else. That I see myself as separate, and because I see myself separate, it's okay that I have more food than somebody else has that I have a better house than somebody else has, that I have more clothes, warmer clothes, than somebody else has, that it's okay if I don't share my stuff, because it's my stuff, as if all stuff could possibly be divvied up in such a way that it's not all commonly part of all that we have. God gave us this world with the opportunity to share and the further along we come, the more we recognize our impact on each other. Whether I like it or not, this message is not just staying in this room in the way it might have even 20 years ago. Unless you all went out and told something about it or we recorded it and sent it out on a cassette. My first job working for a church 
was bringing cassette tapes of the recorded sermon to each of the shut-ins in the church that I was working at. And there were about 30 people I visited every week. Took them a, took them a shut-in uh, tape and a bulletin from that week. And then the next week I came back by and picked up last week's cassette tape. Some of you don't even know what cassette tapes are. If you don't know what cassette tapes are, you should ask someone else. But uh, they used to be our recording medium uh, that we would pass along. Uh, I was looking at a car this past week, and one of its selling points was that it had a cassette deck. And I'm thinking, I don't even have cassette player. I don't even have cassettes anymore. But that's all neither here nor there. The bottom line about all of this, the bottom line about all of this is that the message goes out into the whole world. We are connected. There are people that watch us and participate in our life together who live on the other coast. We're on the East Coast. There are people who are watching from the West Coast and from the Midwest and from the South. We are connected together by the World Wide Web, by the economic reality of the world in which we live, by our interdependence on one another, by our immunity or lack thereof all around, by the availability of medical care or the lack of availability. One of the secondary effects of the pandemic was that people who were waiting for important surgeries couldn't get them because hospitals couldn't admit them because they were overrun with people who had COVID-19? That's in a relationship right there. One person's disease meant another person's heart condition couldn't be treated safely in the hospital setting. We are connected to each other. This story is what happens when we come to believe we are separate from God, we are separate from each other, we are separate from the very earth we walk on. Because we're part of it all. We are part of it all, and God's a part of us. We are connected. Everything is connected. Quantum mechanics tells us that an atom can move right here and somewhere across the universe, another atom moves in response to it for no reason whatsoever that we can understand. We are connected. And we have to get back to a place where we understand, where it reveals to us that the truth is we have to live like connected people. Connected to God and connected to each other. When Jesus is asked, what's the most important of the commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Recognize that you are intimately and eternally connected to God. And whether you like it or not, even the neighbors you don't particularly care for, you're connected to them too. And by extension, they may not like you all that much either, and they're connected to you. We may not want to be connected. We may think that a Republican is a different kind of animal than us. Or if we're a Republican, we may think that a Democrat's a different kind of animal than us. I got bad news for both of you. We're all the same kind of animal, human beings, dirt people, dirt men and dirt women made from those things. And out of dirt 
and God's breath come a living being. That's what the story tells us. Somehow, in the midst of it all, we are living beings meant to live in connection to each other and to the world. How do we reconcile to that is a lifelong journey. It's not easy. The path of Christianity has to be something more than just believing in a few cool thoughts in our brains. Jesus is the son of God. God created everything and it's cool. He liked it in the beginning. It messed up. He stopped liking it. That's not our story. Our story's got to be bigger than that. Our story has got to include us all, even people who don't look like or believe like us. And we have to find a way to journey forward in such a way that we can love each other despite the different kinds of symbol that might hang up here in front. For us, it's a cross. It doesn't even hang, it sits on the table. But if it's a six-pointed star, like our Jewish brothers and sisters might show, or if it is a half, uh, a half moon, like our Islamic sisters and brothers might use, I don't even know what our atheistic, if there's a symbol for our atheistic sisters and brothers, but you know what? God loves them, whether they believe in God or not. God already loves them. We have to find a way forward and we have to find it together. I guess we don't have to. I guess we don't have to. The earth will take care of exterminating us, I guess, if we continue to treat her like she's something other than we are. But I'd like to believe that this story says to us, you thought knowledge was all that, but it's not. Stop knowing about and get to know. Don't just read about what it is to follow Christ. Try it. Don't just read about recycling. Try it. Don't just read about talking to your neighbor. Try talking to him. You might discover you have more in common, if you listen, than you thought. And the things that separate you may turn out to be much smaller than you thought they were. But only if you're willing to stretch yourself out. You know, God didn't give up on humanity after this story. We may not be in some pristine garden where we recognize the unity between us and God anymore, whatever that pristine garden looked like, actually. But God didn't give up on us. God still has faith in us. God continues to come to us. Eventually, we'll get to a piece of the story that you already know, that God loved us so much, God was willing to become one of us in person. That's how much love God has. That's a pretty cool story. Does a God who thinks we're separate and we don't matter do that kind of thing? No. No. God has not given up on us. Let's not give up on each other. Even the people who see the world radically differently than you do. Don't give up on them. 
people from different places. Don't give up on them. And maybe we'll learn to not give up on each other and not give up on God. Let's let the world see what love looks like. And let it begin and be seen in us. In us. This is the second story in the Bible that we took a look at this week. Next week, we take another look at another story in the book of Genesis, the story of uh, Abram, uh, who launches out in faith, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. These stories will help shape us if we listen for what the message for us might be. I am wondering if we have any prayer requests this morning that have come in, my beloved. All right. She just has two, which means we just have two. We're going to keep Galen in our prayers. If you missed the beginning of worship, the reason why we are musicless today, Galen is very, very sick, um, and Megan James are attending to him. In fact, Galen has tested positive for COVID-19, and so that means that Megan and James have been exposed, and so they're playing it safe and keeping us safe um, by not coming to share. So we are uh, keeping Galen and the entire Donnelly family in our prayers. Um, we're also thankful for the Christmas challenge boxes that we received with food in it. There are some of them that came here. Some of them were delivered directly to the, uh, to the food pantry, to the mission house next door yesterday afternoon. You know, it's one of the ways that we can feel a sense of connection, but Eli and Campbell, uh, you may not remember. Hey, I've seen a picture of them recently. It's almost hard to tell that Eli and Campbell used to be, you know, Campbell and Eli, and now it's more like Campbell and Eli. You know, they're much bigger young men, but one of the things that they have taken great joy in doing over the last five years is filling up their Christmas challenge boxes. They do it with great joy, and so uh, Dwayne, their dad, delivered those boxes yesterday. And um, it's an opportunity to participate in making sure that those who are connected to us on the west end of Alexandria eat and have diapers uh, and other kinds of things. Uh, so we are thankful for those. We are also thankful that there are people uh, who will receive those food items that will make a difference. Other people did boxes too. Just, uh, I, I was touched by how Eli and Campbell have done it every year and it has been a big deal to them. Um, so let's be uh, in prayer for uh, those who have given boxes, thankfully, those who will receive the food that was in the boxes uh, we will pray for those folks as well, and we'll continue to pray for the entire Donnelly family, uh, in most particularly little Galen um, at this time. Uh, we'll begin in a moment of silent prayer. I'll pray out loud for us, and then we will pray the Lord's Prayer together. There will be a version on the screen behind me. Pray the version you know in the language that you know, or that one, whichever one calls you out.
Let's enter into a time of prayer together. Gracious and loving God, there is something about the power of the stories that the Bible tells us that have the opportunity to teach us, to disarm us, to open us up, break us open to a truth bigger than us, that it was always your intent to love us to walk with us in the cool of the evening in the garden. What a beautiful way to describe a relationship with you. Uh, we recognize that in many ways we fall short, like Adam and Eve did. Uh, we have chosen to know about you instead of doing those things that might help us to know you. We have chosen to be alienated from each other in our world. And we have some close tribal friends that we keep, uh, but those who are at greater distance, it seems easier for us to disparage and think about poorly. And that leads to us hurting each other, emotionally, physically, intellectually, it leads to great division. And yet all from the beginning, you intended us to be a reflection of our connectedness. That each one of us reflects uniquely what Richard Rohr reminded us, thisness. Each one of us is a unique this. And being a part of that greater whole that you made, this great universe. It may seem like we're insignificant, but to you, you even count the hairs on our head. We are thankful for one another, even the one another's that we're not particularly fond of. Uh, we are thankful that you love us and love all. We are thankful that you've given us an opportunity to be together online and in person, to celebrate you in our lives, to find a path forward to be your people, to try to live like we already are. Because if I understand the biblical witness, we already are your people. We are already loved. We are already drawn into your fold. And you just keep calling to us so that we would recognize who we are and whose we are. We do pray for Galen. We pray for all those who are sick uh, with COVID-19. And uh, while this new wave, this new variant is, seems milder, it still affects all of us. It's so easy to pass it along to one another. Help us to care for one another, be kind to one another, look out for one another, help us to keep safe. 
um, and help us to support each other when by one reason or another we end up with the virus anyway. We thank you for all the gifts that have come to the West End Food Pantry and we are thankful for the ones who will receive it. Uh, we are thankful that we can make a difference in their lives in that way. Speak to us of your love and truth in every moment we catch our breath. Remind us that each heartbeat is a gift, your gift to us. Thank you for each one who you bring into our lives and help us to be your people now and always. We ask this in the precious name of your son, Jesus, who modeled for us a prayer that we can pray together, saying, our Father in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen.